Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, October 20th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all kind of day. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything goes, all you have to do is pick up the phone and join us. Looks like calls are starting to come in already, so jump in, 855 855- Nine five zero three eight three five. I have a couple odds and ends. Then we'll get to your calls and questions and see what's on your mind today. So line them up. All right. Uh, an update from yesterday. Uh, we had a great guest yesterday. She's been with us before, um, and we had some different technical difficulties. Sometimes our live feed goes out. When you're listening to it, it'll go in and out. That's an internet issue, and most of the time, there's not a lot we can do about it. So yesterday, they informed me the feed was going in and out. And I thought, all right, nothing I can do, and we're recording anyway, so we'll be fine. Except I happened to look down, and something went wrong with the recording. We lost about 30 minutes, and I was really uh, bummed out about it. It was a really good 30 minutes. Um, some really good uh, information. And when we got off the air yesterday, and I I even said, I can't believe I don't have a backup for this. Uh, When I got off the air yesterday and I had time to think, I remembered we do have a backup. We have a secondary system. Our phone system records everything. So we were able, Aaron was able to go in and edit some audio out of the phone system and put it into the show shows exactly like it should be. You won't even notice anything's been edited. So the whole show is there. Um, if you want to go check that out, we were, uh, our guest was an evolutionary biologist. So we were talking about hunter gatherers and diet and she had, uh, a really interesting take. If you weren't listening at the very beginning of the show, she started talking about hunter gatherers diet. And then she did start talking about grains and lots and lots of fruit and vegetables and honey. And I I stopped her and I said, you know, this is one of the reasons um, I wanted to get you on the show. We wanted to talk about this. Um, Was that the hunter gatherer diet? Was it more carnivore? And, and I explained to her that either way, Um, we were sticking to paleo, keto, carnivore-type diets, no grains, very, very little sugar and fruit. She actually agreed, and her point was really interesting coming from an evolutionary biologist. She said a healthy human being should be able to eat a wide variety of foods, even high-carb diets. There were civilizations with high-carb diets, and they were healthy. But we've damaged our metabolism so much. She agreed that if you can't handle carbohydrates, then you just can't handle carbohydrates. Stop eating them. So it was an interesting take. She had, uh, there were a couple other really interesting topics we talked about in there. So it's on the app. Check it out. Uh, That's all I have on the health side right now. I just wanted to give you an update on that. Uh, I have something else I'm going to talk about here, but I'm going to put a little... uh, disclaimer in this first. You know, I, I I said many times, I really don't spend much time on Facebook anymore. I really don't post or respond. Don't send me messages on Facebook. The odds of you getting a response from me uh, are slim to none. I'll just say they're none. 
Um, we do monitor our Facebook pages, and, and there are people who will respond to questions, just not me. Um, but I still scroll Facebook because it's a window into what people are thinking and doing. And, and you can really kind of see what's going on. I watch many, many industry groups, broker groups, shipper groups, owner-operators, drivers. And occasionally, I'll come across something I want to talk about. But I want to be clear, I never do this to embarrass anybody. And it's why I don't use names. So nobody else knows who I'm talking about, but the person who posted it does. They'll recognize what I'm talking about. I don't use names. I don't do it to embarrass anybody. It's just, and this is an example today. Uh, Actually, I, I think there's a really good, there are two good lessons in here in just a couple of sentences that's why I wanted to highlight this. But if you recognize this as your post, I'm not doing this to embarrass you at all. Actually, what I want to talk about is the difference between the two lessons are one, the difference between stupidity and ignorance. They're very, very different worlds apart. And this push towards electric vehicles, two crazy, totally different topics that I got from two sentences. So the post was basically, the question in the post was something along the lines of, do you think the the Tesla truck will work or will it be good? Something along those lines. There was lots of answers, most of them pretty much the norm, what you normally hear. This one was different. Now, I said there's a lesson, the difference between ignorance and stupidity. We are all ignorant. We are all massively ignorant, but we're not stupid. Most people are not stupid. Some people are. Um, Most people aren't. They're ignorant. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with being ignorant. I'm ignorant of a lot of things. Ignorant just means you don't know something. Well, there are lots of things you can't know until you either read them, somebody teaches it to you, you're exposed to it. There's nothing wrong with being ignorant. It's impossible not to be ignorant. But I do try hard not to be ignorant about something that's important in my life. You know, I don't want to be ignorant about health. It's too important. I don't want to be ignorant about money. It's too important. I don't want to be ignorant about relationships. I want to learn about those things so I can be better at them. If you're going to be in business... You shouldn't be ignorant about business. So it's very possible the person that made this comment isn't in business. They're not an owner operator. If they are, I'm going to, I will make the statement that you're ignorant of business and you should probably try to fix that. But if you're a company driver, who cares if you know about business? If you're not in business, you don't need to know about it. So with all that lead up, Here's the couple of sentences. Now, remember, this was about the Tesla truck, whether or not it's going to work. The answer was, you could make a killing locally. You have no cost of goods sold. Everything you make is pure profit besides tires and some routine maintenance. I don't even know where to start. First off, 
they must have a little bit of information about business. They actually use the term cost of goods sold. That's a very specific accounting term. We don't use it in trucking. So if you just heard me say that and you're in trucking, you're like, what? What? Cost of goods sold? What's that? Ignore it. If you're in trucking, we don't use this. In my business, I have to use this. Cost of goods sold. If I buy an X3 bar to put in our store and then sell it to you, I have a cost of goods sold. I had to pay for that X3 bar first. Then I can put it in my store. Then I can sell it to you, hopefully at a profit. But in when we account for goods sold, it's a two-step process. In trucking, it's really a one-step process to get to profit. In trucking, you start with the money you brought in, you subtract your expenses, and you get profit. When you inventory things, goods, when you're selling goods, trucking is a service. Service businesses, the accounting is different than a retail business where you sell goods. So in, a, in, in that accounting, you take your gross revenue, you first subtract your cost of goods sold. Then in the next step of the process, we go down and we start deducting expenses that don't have anything to do with those cost of goods sold, not directly. Like there I would, you know, the, the uh, payment on our building, that would be a, a, just a regular expense. Our utilities, a regular expense. Our labor, um, our payroll, those are all regular expenses on a profit and loss. Cost of goods sold is usually the first section of a profit and loss. So I just wanted to straighten that out. You have no cost of goods sold on an electric truck. You don't have cost of goods sold, period. So that, that was just a confusing statement in there. Now let's get to the real point of it. Let's just say instead of saying you have no cost of goods sold, what he's really trying to say is you have no expenses. Everything you make is pure profit besides tires and some routine maintenance. Well, there's two problems here. We have no idea what routine maintenance on an electric truck is going to be yet. Could be really expensive in the beginning. We don't know. Um, you know, as simple as electric vehicles are, you look at the maintenance cost of a Tesla, it's not really that different from a gas car. There are other expenses. They, they have to be maintained. It's just different stuff. Eventually, I do believe that maintenance costs on electric vehicles will be lower. I, I, don't, I doubt we're going to be there right away. That's a kind of a minor point. Um, routine maintenance is a fairly big expense on vehicles, about 14 cents a mile. Um, that's a little bit of a chunk. But here's the point about how they're pushing these electric vehicles. This person is assuming that electricity doesn't cost anything. That's, why, that's because of how the government is pushing this. You hear, you know, Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, say, well, who cares about gas prices? Just go buy an electric car. That's how they, and never, ever have I heard anybody 
in the government, certainly not the Biden administration, talk about the cost of putting electricity into that car. They never talk about it. I have a feeling that there are times, right now it'd be hard to say everything is up so much, but I would venture to say there are going to be times where putting electricity into a vehicle might cost more than putting gas or diesel into a vehicle. Nobody's talking about this. What they do say is, you know, the criticism is usually, oh, they want us to go out and buy a $40,000 vehicle, which is really ignorant. There are a lot of people who never want to spend $40,000 on a vehicle. But they don't talk about the cost. They make that sound like, well, if, you're, if gas prices are hurting you, go buy an electric car. Well, why don't you mention the cost of electric? This is not free. You know, Tesla had some deals here and there where if you bought certain models of their cars on certain deals, you got free electricity for a while. Look, nothing's free. You were paying for it. It was just a package deal. That's all it is. We are not ever going to get free energy, ever. Energy will be the number one cost in trucking for a very long time. I, I, I can't believe that the electric truck is going, I, if I had to predict right now, and I've done a little bit of, Snackfee has some numbers on this, the cost of energy will always be the number one cost in truck in the near future, I shouldn't say always, in the near future, the next decade. Maybe after that, we'll come up with something better. I'm sure we will, but in the beginning, it could be the opposite. It will be the opposite, not could be. Remember, everything is based on supply and demand. When we put more demand on electric, the price is going to go up. The other thing nobody's talking about yet, they will be soon, is what about road tax and fuel tax? Well, we're going to have to take the fuel tax and probably convert it to a pure road tax the way Oregon does for electric vehicles or they're going to have to put an electric tax on. It's going to happen. The government is not going to let you drive these vehicles around on the roads not paying any kind of road taxes. So the truck's one thing, and we should understand what this truck is really going to cost, but the bigger picture is how the government is presenting these electric vehicles, and we have people running around thinking, oh, it doesn't cost anything. That's insane. All right. Let's, uh, I had some other things. Calls are starting to pile up, so we will get to them. Let's get started today in Florida. Matt, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. I got a whole list of things today, but um, I did notice, I looked up, uh, and I never remember the full website, but it's IFTA. Dot org or it's, it, there's some other letters in there. I don't remember what all stands for, but it gives yeah. you all the breakdown of every fuel. <clears throat> Pennsylvania is the only one so far has one cent per kilowatt electric. Okay, so there there's fuel. a state that's um, going to charge it by kilowatt. Yep. You know, and then uh, yeah, I, I would assume 
long term, we're going to end up with a mileage stack. I, I was just going to say, why why would they complicate? fuel doesn't matter. Right. Why would they complicate this? Now that we know the future yeah. of trucking is multiple fuels, we know that in the next decade we will be buying diesel to run trucks, we will be buying hydrogen to run trucks, and we will be buying electric to run trucks. The government's going to confuse the hell out of it all by putting three different taxes on them instead of just saying, look, get rid of those energy taxes. Let's just do a mileage tax because this is to pay for the roads anyway. But of course the government will complicate it. They always do. Yeah, it, it, why why do things simple? Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Cuz uh, I mean it's just like the fair tax, you know. Let's do one tax that covers everything instead of whatever we're at these days, 80 oh. some thousand pages of tax code. Exactly. <laughs> I know. But uh. Yeah, but th- th- uh, so this first this, real quick one. It, what do you think about this idea that there are people? And again, they're not stupid people. They're not. They're ignorant. That, and, and there's, like I said, nothing wrong with being ignorant. Lots of us are about a lot of things. But there does seem to be this attitude that, well, just go buy the electric car and then you won't have to worry about gas prices. <sighs> that, that is such an ignorant <clears throat> statement. Well, and it's our government that's making those kind of statements. Our government's ignorant. Actually, our government's corrupt. They yep. know better. They're not ignorant. They know better. Yep. Yeah, and for the post and the business and the truck side of it, the cost of a truck. You have cost of goods. You got to buy a truck first. You're right. Diesel or electric really doesn't matter. You you still have a cost, but yeah. Now on the accounting side, we don't count that as cost of goods sold because we're not going to buy the truck and resell it. If we did, then if that was our business, then that would be a cost of goods sold. Actually, Uh, well. Probably not with vehicles, then it gets even more complicated. But you're right. I, I had that on my notes, but I forgot to mention it. Not only are you going to be paying for energy, we could even call it fuel. You're going to be paying for fuel of some sort, energy of some sort. You have the cost of that truck, which is huge. I mean, when they first announced it before all this crazy inflation, it was pretty comparable to the cost of a new diesel truck. They had one model they claimed they were going to be able to sell at 150000 It had a lower range. And then they had the one they claimed had a better range. They were going to sell it for 180000 I have to believe when Tesla starts selling trucks in December, they're going to be 200000 plus. Just because of inflation. Yeah, because those numbers were also before inflation. Yeah. Right, right. So they're going to be 200000 plus. So now you have a $200,000 truck. You have fuel costs that we don't know what they are. How easy is it for us to know what the diesel yep. fuel cost is? It's easy. Drive down the street, yep. go online. Yep. It's everywhere. Everybody knows what diesel costs. Somebody call me and tell me what electric costs right now. To charge a vehicle. I have no idea. Well, and it, yeah, because, A, first, electric prices around the country are just as volatile as, as diesel. I mean, it can be wildly different from one area of the country to the next. Right. And then, yeah, to actually have a charging station and what their costs are, 
I, yeah, I have no idea. Right. And now to make the comparison, we're going to have to convert our raw cost to cost per mile. It's the only way to be able to compare diesel against electric. You can't just say, oh, well, I filled up my diesel truck and it cost me $800 and I filled up my electric truck and it only cost me 500 Look, it's cheaper. Well, well, no. How far are you going to be able to go on that? Yep. So we have to convert them both to mile. cost per mile so we can make the comparison. Yeah, the, the best example of that is your propane test. Exactly. Right. Your, your diesel cost went down. Right. But the cost of protein was more uh, propane was more than uh, than what you saved in diesel. So. so when we did the math, my no. cost per mile when I was running propane went up. My cost per mile for energy went up by adding propane. It didn't go down, it went up. But your diesel cost went down. Exactly. That's all we gotta look at, right? Right. Right. And and <laughs> I could have I, I bet I could have posted you know, just ignored the propane cost and posted, oh, look, I got a half mile per gallon better and people would have been all over it. No. Nope. So, um, to move along, a real quick one here first because I just opened uh, kombucha. Is there a difference between glass and aluminum cans, do you think, for kombucha? I'm starting to see more aluminum cans and it is more convenient in a truck than carrying glass bottles. You know, I haven't thought about any kind of a difference. I actually now the brand, you know, I was drinking Kavita a lot. Um, but there's two problems for me with Kavita. The store that's closest to me only carries a couple of the flavors. And they only usually have a couple of bottles of each one. I never have enough of what I want, so I have to go to a store that's, you know, 20 minutes away. Not that that's a big deal, but I'd rather not. Um, and, you know, I, I drink a lot of kombucha every day, and I don't like to go to the store a lot. It's really inconvenient to try to buy, like, 30 bottles at a time. You know, individual bottles. They don't even come in carriers at all. So I found another brand that I really like. It's actually a little lower in sugar. Love their flavors, and it comes in four-pack cans. So you just grab, you know, several four-packs, much more convenient, even at home, and certainly, I would say, in the truck. Um, I, don't, I don't know if there's enough of a – I'm not even going to go look. On this one, I don't want to know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, assuming I, it's going to be an opinion more than Probably. A fact. Exa exactly. So I, I'm not even going to go look. I'm fine with drinking my kombucha out of cans. Yeah. I would, yeah, my assumption would be glass is probably, <laughs> there is a superior reason to use glass, but there I is. don't, yeah, I don't the, know if it's something you could measure. Yeah. The, the health reason behind glass, and you know, I, we converted almost everything in our kitchen to glass instead of plastic. You know, plastic oh. became so prevalent in the kitchen, uh, and we stopped that. I got rid of glass and I got rid of aluminum. We don't use aluminum foil. Or if I do, I put parchment in between the food and the aluminum. Um, glass is completely neutral when it comes to food and health. And it, it, glass doesn't leach anything out, as long as it's not some stupid leaded glass or something. Um, just, you know, straight <laughs> glass the way we use in bottles in the kitchen 
um, is neutral. So we, we do tend to lean towards glass. But in this case, uh, the convenience factor for me is enough. I don't think there's enough difference here to even worry about. And probably not enough proof to know for sure anyway. And then to solve your inventory issue with certain flavors and brands, uh, I just put in an order for Azure. They sell all kinds of kombucha and buy it by the case is the cheapest way. You know, I, I need to try some of theirs. I, I just haven't taken the time to try them and find that is a really good. That would be the easiest way for me. I wouldn't have to mess with it at all. So I probably should just start sampling some of theirs until I find one I like. That's what, yeah, that's what I've done. I just ordered a case of one and next month I'll get a different one and just yeah. figure out which one I like the best. There you go. So, um, kind of going over a couple of Monday's calls. Brian's called a couple of times with uh, the retirement stuff. Yeah. And just to give an update of what I was talking about way back in the spring and maxing out an individual 401k which I realize this does not apply to very many people because we're talking some pretty, pretty large numbers. Um, it in, is let me, true. Let, me, let me just tell people how big sometimes. Um, when I was, you know, talking a lot more about financial planning and owner-operators would call, and it, we haven't done a lot of that um, in the past. I'm, I like when we do. I hope we get back to it. But it wasn't unusual for my, me to find an owner-operator who is only profiting Forty-five or fifty thousand dollars a year. The maximum contribution could be more than they made that year. Now it wouldn't be for them, but the numbers we're talking about that are possible for owner operators are north of that sometimes. Yeah, and I didn't go back and look up the exact number, but it's it's either sixty-one or sixty-two thousand for twenty twenty-two. The good news about inflation, all numbers are going up for 2023. <laughs> yeah. Even uh, even your just your traditional IRAs, they're, the, the contribution limits are jumping pretty significantly. Two other things that went up because of inflation that will help a little bit uh, tax-wise, they raised the uh, standard deduction, which almost everybody uses now after Trump's tax law change. And they adjust the tax brackets down. So the the tax brackets, I think the first tax bracket now might be like 7% or something. Um, That's all because of inflation. Those are are like automatic limits that are just in place. And as inflation goes up, they kick in. No. So... um, Paul just sent me a message here. The, the advantage to a glass bottle is if you only drink half, you can put the cap back on <laughs> versus an <laughs> aluminum can. Well, <laughs> you know, here, here he's right, but here's my kombucha habit. I drink probably one can a day. Well, I used to drink one bottle. Maybe I do a, a can and a half a day, but honestly, I just open it. I take a couple sips. I stick it in the refrigerator, and throughout the day, I just sip on it. I don't ever really sit down and drink a whole can of kombucha. No. And it, it's just fine. If it's in there too long, it'll start oh. to go a little flat. But yeah, probably in the truck, though, you really wouldn't want an open container around. No. So, yeah, so back to retirement. Um, and... That number, 
I've always meant to go look this up. Even a, if you were had a corporate job, whatever, I believe those numbers are your limits on retirement investing. They are. Yes. I don't think yeah. there's a way. I mean, even a very high income earner, you know, say an executive at Apple, they make yeah, right. crazy amounts of money. And yeah. I, I think that retirement limit is the limit. That is the limit. It, it wouldn't matter if that For executive everybody. makes yep. $2 million a year. It, they still can only put in the yep. same limit that you and I can put in. Yeah, it, that doesn't have any. The only thing that has anything to do with income is it is a percentage of your income up to that limit. But that's the only thing that has anything yep. to do with so income. Once you hit that limit, you're just done. Yep. So Brian had mentioned the employer contribution. That is the one that has the percentage limit. Yeah. The employer right. can put in. 25% of your W-2 wage. So if you're an S-Corp, that you're using a W-2 wage. If you're self-employed or, or excuse me, um, sole proprietor, your tax, then you're using your self-employment tax, 25% of that number. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what you can put in, the business can put in. Your self-employment income. That, your self-employment income. Yep. Yeah, you said self-employment tax. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yep. yeah. Correct. It's your. You can put in twenty-five percent um, of your self-employment income. Yep. That. I, I've never run the numbers, but my accountant said that is your best tax situation to max that side out first. Right. And that has to go in to traditional because that's basically going in tax-free. The business is getting it as a write-off. It's not coming out of your payroll, so there's no taxes withheld. So that is a traditional contribution, no option. Correct. The option the, is, at the end of the year, you can convert it. do the conversion to a Roth and pay the tax. Right, yep, yep. exactly. So you can get it into a Roth. It's, that's the what we call the backdoor Roth option. You put it in as traditional and then do a conversion yeah. later. The employee and what you can have withheld out of your check, and that can go into the Roth if you have that option on your account. The limit for 2022 is $20,500. And then these numbers added together cannot exceed that 60, what was it, 61 or 62, I don't remember. The total limit, right. And, and, you know, over the yep. years, and, and right now today, if you wouldn't have brought these numbers, I wouldn't know them because they change every year, and I never have to deal with them. Yep. I never had any clients who ever asked yep. me what the <laughs> maximum was. Nobody ever got close to contributing to the maximum, so I didn't even know what it was most years. I mean, I might see it here and there, but I don't know it most of the time. Yep. So, yeah, I, I have worked my life situation into, you know, completely debt-free and I am trying to max out retirement. Uh, but with my payroll and I did up it now, I'm going to go all the way up to $70,000 a year for salary. Okay. Just because, because <laughs> my revenue is so high and you know, the miles I run and the, the I don't think 
that's the bigger industry reason. Industry standard. That's, yeah, let, and I want to yep. I want to touch on that because this is one of those points where if you get ten accountants and ten IRS agents in the room, you've got twenty people. You're going to end up with twenty two opinions somehow on how this all works. I mean, nobody agrees with this or on this. It's the idea of if you own an S-Corp and you work in that S-Corp, you have to pay yourself a salary and it has to be taxed like a salary. That's that's the rule. Now, how much of a salary? Well, as usual, the IRS has very, very vague wording on this. You, you know, you have to take a reasonable salary based on how much work you do for the company. There's a lot of room for interpretation there. One of the mistakes I see accountants make, though, is, it, and you're not doing this. I understand what you're doing. Even though you mentioned no. your revenue, you're really basing this more on miles and other things and time, which is the right way to do it. I had somebody call the other day, and their accountant said, oh, no, because of all that revenue, you have to take more. No, that's, that's, that's wrong. The IRS is talking about your salary for the work you do. Well, the best example of this was when I still had my FedEx contract and I profited about $100,000 a year off of that contract. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't even work an hour a week. I really didn't. Um, There were weeks I didn't work at all. Uh, Lisa would do payroll. That took her about 10 minutes. There were weeks, there, sometimes there were months I didn't talk to anybody over there. So I just took a nominal salary of $10,000 a year. The profit has nothing to do with anything. No, you, you this is not. You probably could have got away with less. I, exactly. I think I could have gotten away with less. Um, sometimes, though, you don't push things too far just because you don't want to trigger an audit. You know, 10000 I threw some yep. money in there. I'll pay a little tax on 10000 No big deal. But I had, you know, I've talked to many accountants that would have been, oh, no, you better be taking forty dollars or $50,000 a year if you have 100000 in profit. That has nothing to do with anything. I could have a million dollars in profit and take a $10,000 salary, and it would be correct. Nope. <clears throat> so, yeah, so my employer side... And this is where we look at the stock market. I kind of screwed myself this year when we talk about market timing. At the beginning of the year, I was 1000 bucks a week. And I was all doing most of it under the employer contribution side. Because I thought I could use some different numbers, but you can't use the K-1. That was the, yeah. that was the one I was hung up on trying to use for that 25% number. Right. So I've got, think about... $18,000 in under the employer side. Okay. And, you know, I put all that in at the beginning of the year when the market was really high and <laughs> <laughs> the market's gone down since. <laughs> uh, what's the market doing um, today? I actually need to move a little bit of money around and I'm, I haven't, I, believe it or today, believe but. it or not, I'm trying to market time it just a little bit. I mean, I'm talking a couple days here. The money's going to come out no matter what. So I might as well at least try to hit a high day when I do it. Uh, the last couple of days have been really good. I'm going to go look right now and see what's going on with it. Go ahead with what you were saying. Uh, back yeah, up, so back up again today. About 19. Th- yeah. We're up. Huh. Well, that's 
election season. I know. We're, uh, <laughs> that makes it even more volatile sometimes. It is. We're at uh, 30,700 right now. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll probably, I don't think I'm going to push push it any further. I think I'll move that money today. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I quit the employer side, and then I just calculated out through the end of the year for monthly contributions to max out the employee side, the 20500 And then I actually had to go open an IRA because I didn't have any anymore. I'd rolled them all into the 401k. So both under mine and my wife, there's another $6,000 each. So I'll be at my $50,000 number. I wanted to put into retirement. It just had to go in four different ways to get there. Yeah. And, and here's another area where, you know, I know a lot of people are listening to us right now and some of them probably turned off the radio. They're, they're lost. They, this is complicated stuff. There's no way to really simplify it. The IRS and the government have made a mess of retirement in this country. If you're self-employed, it's an absolute nightmare to try to figure all this stuff out and, and actually maximize it. And here's another crazy thing. You know, I can't have that account you have. Yeah, because you have employees. Yep. Can't do it. I'm not allowed to have an individual 401k because I have employees. What the hell does that have to do with anything? I'm an individual. Why can't I have my own account? Yeah, and I'm assuming I don't don't know enough about the SEP, the self-employment. What does that stand for? Self-employed pension plan. Same rules. Yeah. Similar. But again, that, that it, has the same limit. Yeah, yeah, it, it's similar, but it gets a little more complicated. And um, I, it then, if because I have a business, and if I wanted to do four hundred one k, I have to do it through the business, and I have to include all the employees. Yep. So, yeah. It, it's, so it's, uh, I think that covers retirement. The uh, the next interesting thing was uh, Voitex call. And yeah, talking about Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I did. Yeah, you mentioned um, Berkshire Hathaway, and I I just was walking by Andy's office as he said that, so I didn't really <laughs> catch the show. Mondays I'm at home, and I went off to do my own thing. But you, you, you seen the screenshot exactly what I was thinking. The, the five thousand dollar change. In a couple hours, the market was open Monday morning. I know. On Berkshire Hathaway. It just <laughs> blew my mind. I know. On one <laughs> stock. One stock changing that. Now, yep. here's here's the thing. It, it, if you had that just one share of stock and that's all you're watching, it, it, it can be so volatile. Um, to me, looking at my whole portfolio, it might move $5,000 you know, in a day when, when the market's volatile, but I don't want to own one stock that can move that much. Yeah. And I mean, that probably wasn't even out of line. Oh no, it's not at a $410,000 value per share. 1%. Well, you had $410,000 in the S and P to move $5,000. Yeah. That's it, not a right. big move. Yeah. It's when a, the, 
And top dollar is so big, yeah. Yeah, and in a time like now, we're moving one and two percent up and down all the time. Yeah. Didn't we? So, I think we had a um, day yeah, recently where the S and P moved like four percent, which is huge. Um, you know, four percent of four hundred thousand. You're talking about a lot of money to yeah. to you know disappear or gain in a day. If you gain it, it's awesome. If it disappears, yeah. it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Robert. Kiyosaki, Mike Rowe had him on here oh, probably two months ago already now. I should go and watch Mike that. Mike Rowe even put out a disclaimer in his, in his uh, he does like a preamble, you know, after he recorded it, he yeah. comes on and he kind of does a pre thing where he sets up the interview. And, and in his pre, he says, I'm having him on, even though I disagree with most of his <laughs> things he does. <laughs> I think I would have to say that if I the had him on, like, too. Yeah. Yeah, the guy's got like $1 billion in debt. But, I mean, he owns several billion dollars worth of real estate, so, I mean, it right. works. But he, yeah. you know, promotes the zero-down real estate investing and all that and the whole gold thing. But um, I'm, it's, the reason it was interesting because I'm also listening to one of his newer books called Fake. Okay. came out in 2019. And it's about a lot of fake stuff in our society. I completely agree with everything you said about the guy. It's, it's a lot of things about him just rub me the wrong way. But then right. there's a lot of things about that he says I completely agree with. Well, of course. And yeah, so there's there, no doubt. Is, yeah. You know, he even talks about fake teachers. And he loves education, but we don't have real teachers in our country anymore. They're not teaching us anything. No, they're not. They're just pushing people through to a test. Yeah. That's it. Right. So that part, I completely agree with him. Yeah. You know, we education is great. I've been saying the education system is worthless. Yeah, I've been saying exactly what he just said for years. We don't teach kids how to learn. We they no. don't learn. We teach them how to memorize things to pass a test. Yeah. And this this book fake, I I don't know that I'm even going to recommend it to anybody. It's it, is he talking about inter- things I'm, like the like going for me? olive oil and honey and that kind of stuff? Uh, no, it's, uh, fake money, fake teachers, fake government. Fake, oh, okay. Fake okay. news. He, he, Got he's it. buddy, buddy with Trump. Him and Trump actually wrote a book together, I think. Yeah, I could skip that so, one. Um, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it's a play on, you know, Trump <laughs> saying fake news. Honestly, <laughs> and I've said this many, many times, as much as I kind of really liked him as a president, not as a president. I liked his policies as a president. I don't like Trump, just like I don't like Kiyosaki. They both rubbed me the wrong way. But I'd take him as a president again, based on what we've had so far. Bring him back. Yes, I miss him as a president. I just don't like him as a person. (laughs) And that's okay. Uh, I don't um, have to like him as a person. If he makes the country better, I'm okay with that. So, so in this book, he talks about his silver and gold thing. And in his explanation, 
I I agree with his reasons why he does it. And he does state he does not invest in gold and silver as an investment. He, he says that in his book side of it when the world comes to an end. He says yeah, that oh but not in his commercial. Okay, yeah, exactly. So let's talk about a real fake then. You write a book yeah. and say I don't buy precious metals as an investment. I buy them for the apocalypse. Yep. And then you go on TV yep. over and over and over and tell people to invest in precious metals. What a fake. He should have his picture on the cover of that book. And the title should be I'm the fake. Uh, That's yep. insane. That's outrageous. So yeah, it, Really? I can't believe yep. he wrote a book and, like and that, and he has the, that commercial. Yeah, I've never seen the commercials. Cause oh, here's my favorite line. Watch any TV, I so. love silver because it's cheap. I, that blew the top of yep. my head off. Yeah, penny stocks are too. Do you want to start pushing penny stocks on people? <laughs> Oh, now I, I now I with that. now I really don't <laughs> like the guy. Yeah, you know, he's he's got an interesting background. You know, like the first book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, I, which came out in the nineties. I loved the concept of the There's, book. I really did. I just yep. immediately had a problem with the way he gave financial advice. You know, and. This is what I love about the way Dave Ramsey's more recent experiment. You know, he interviewed, he throws out, but I'm not going to remember it, 11,700 and some millionaires. Wow. You know, and they do a whole questionnaire, so they got statistics. And then when people call, for one example, you know, come into some money or, or no, not come into some money, just in their paycheck instead of paying extra on their house shouldn't they be investing more more into retirement more this instead of because the baby steps are yeah 15 percent into retirement anything above that pay off the house okay pay down the house mathematically that's probably not correct most you, of you could run the numbers and investing will come out ahead in the long run you know, you could make a general statement what? that Dave's Ram, Dave Ramsey's advice almost across the board doesn't follow math. You can prove almost yep. every he, he one of his, out. yep, almost every piece of advice he gives. If you wanted to, you could put it on paper and say, no, you're wrong. It would be better to do this. But I agree with his advice because people aren't, well, com- yeah. people aren't computers. They're not calculators. They have a brain and they have emotions. The statistics he's come up with, the the millionaires he's interviewed, and I don't know the exact number, but it's 73 or high 70-some percent. Millionaires say a big portion of their success in building money was paying off their house. Yep. So... Even though mathematically it works, would you rather work a plan that there's a 20% success rate or a 70% success rate? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You can look at the math and say, okay, there's the math, but let's look at results in the real world. You know, I do the same thing on health. I say all the time, 
look, you can argue all day about health. Everybody has health is even worse because at least with math, it's provable over and over and over. Almost nothing is provable in health. And yet people still act like it is. And what I say is, I don't care what all those studies say. I read them every single day. I know what they say. I don't really care what they say. What I care about is what kind of results do we get in the real world? Yeah. And that's, again, back to Robert Kiyosaki and the whole, um, your house is a liability, not a, yeah. not yeah. an asset. <laughs> when he explains it, I agree with him. Okay, I kind of figured maybe there's... Most people, most people, their house is a liability because they owe so much on it. If you lose your job, it's not an asset. It's a problem. So <laughs> that's, that's, when you have your house paid down enough or if you own it free and clear, it's clearly an asset. That So but exactly. The mortgage but, side of it, yeah. So all he's saying is because you've been financially irresponsible, I can't give you the good advice that I should give you. Right. So so instead of doing that, I, I absolutely love Dave Ramsey's approach. Instead, let's teach people how not to be financially irresponsible. Because, you know, that the whole zero down real estate, Dave talks about that all the time. And, you know, he went bankrupt doing it. That uh, that was his first Robert big failure, Kiyosaki right? He's been successful at doing it. <laughs> right. Yep. yep. Yeah. And but, and when uh, when, yeah, he and went, we, when he went bankrupt in real estate, wasn't he an MBA? Uh, yeah, I don't remember... Or he had a finance what degree or something. He went to college for. I think it might have been a yeah, finance I'm not degree. Sure, if he had a degree in finance, I don't business maybe. Don't I, I, yeah, yeah, he at one point, you know, in the mid '80s, I think he said he owned four million dollars worth of real estate, and he only owed three million on it. So he was a millionaire. Right. <laughs> Until everything changed. <laughs> right. <laughs> Interest rate skyrocketed. And back then it was, you so, know, they were short-term loans. They were, you know, renewed every few years and couldn't renew them. Yeah. Well, Went bankrupt. Th- that's foreclosed. Yeah. When you, when you do this, you know, zero down real estate kind of stuff, you're not talking about traditional 30-year mortgages. That That's not how that works. No. You've got all kinds of short-term mortgages. You've got other kinds of creative financing in there. And it gets pretty damn complicated. You better know what you're doing. And most people don't. There's a case where so many people who go to invest in real estate are ignorant of how real estate works. And they fail at it. You can, you know, all these guys running around saying, you know, I became a gazillionaire on zero down real estate. Didn't spend a penny of my own money. It happens, but you better be damn good at it. Well, yeah, that I don't know the percentage on that, but I, I would say the success rate on that is probably one percent. It's it's yeah, it's really that low. Dave says that in his story, you know, he went to a seminar to learn it, and the guy who gave the seminar filed bankruptcy. 
<laughs> well, um, I have a story about I, this. <laughs> I was in the army at the time, so what, 19 or 20 or whatever I was, 21 maybe, and I went to that probably the same seminar Dave Ramsey went to. It was about the same time. It was in the 80s. Those things were huge back then. And I borrowed like now I was in the army and I think I was making I know when I first went in the army I was making I remember the exact amount six hundred and ninety three dollars a month. That's what you got paid as an E one in the eighties. Six hundred and ninety three dollars a month. So maybe after a year or two in there, I might have been making eight or nine hundred. I don't think I ever made a thousand a month when I was in. So here I am making ten thousand dollars a year max. I borrowed four thousand dollars to go to that seminar. Stupidest thing I ever did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, and yeah, those numbers sound right because I uh, um, uh, remember when books, and then they, you know, so you pick a year, like a year somebody you know was born, and yeah, I did bought one for my grandma on her birthday years ago, and but it gives the statistics of average cost of a new home, average household income, you know, back in that year, and yeah, if I remember, yeah, the late seventies, early eighties. Twelve to eighteen thousand dollars a year was average income. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's yeah, and in in the military, amazing just don't how get paid much, much. Things have inflated in my lifetime. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, my first year as an owner operator. Now it was it was local, but my first year as an owner operator eighty six, I grossed like forty eight thousand dollars. That was it. That was gross. And yeah, when I bought my first truck in 98 and the people, you know, the kind of a partnership with the guy, we, me and him traded jobs, the guy I bought the truck from, he took over my job running a bulldozer and swing driver at a company. And I went to driving full time and, and, uh, he's, as long as you gross a hundred thousand dollars a year, you won't have anything to worry about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you look at my nut now. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, what a difference, yeah. huh? Yeah. And honestly, yeah. everything's the same, just the numbers are bigger. They're just all bigger. I mean, that's all yeah. that's changed. Yeah. So, well, I'm assuming calls are piling up, so they I'll are. Let good you move along. Good stuff, though. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to. Pennsylvania. We do have some lines open. We're uh, it's a free for all today. Oh, let me check on um, Rolling Toe real quick. See what the status is. Uh, rolling or yeah, Rolling Toe is cons- confirmed for ten a.m. today. Okay, so we've got another hour. Uh, I'll call it forty-five minutes, maybe. Uh, Plenty of time for questions. Line them up. We'll take them. We're going to go to Pennsylvania this time. Brian, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Uh, well, I'm 
Well, real quick, I'm hoping Joel's listening. Um, maybe he can report tomorrow. I'm running the Hot Shot Secret Extreme Diesel treatment for the first time, and I'm kind of amazed. I, I this thing is the the extreme treatment has destroyed my coal rolling ability. Uh, is when this I the, shift, you know, if I'm if, the, does this have the cetane? Go ahead. Is this the cetane booster. What was that? Does this have cetane in it? Is this the additive that increases cetane? Yeah, so he runs that everyday treatment all the time, and I've been running that as well. But then there's an extreme treatment that's supposed to really, I guess, like clean up the injectors and stuff, but it, they okay. both have cetane in them. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's crazy. You know, like I, if I progressive shift it and, and like mash on it, it, you know, normally I can roll some coal, but it, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And, and they both products claim a seven point C team boost. And that kind of brings me to my question for him is, because the everyday treatment, you can run, there's a standard dose and there's a performance dose. And I've always wondered which he runs. I'm assuming to get the seven points, you would have to be on the performance so. dose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was just kind of curious. And it comes back to that whole, what Joel mentions, Volvo once. I mean, I'm not running a Volvo, but Volvo once. Uh, 47 cetane, I think he said, and you know the pump only guarantees 40. So if you add seven, there's, you're there's the seven you're points. In good shape. There you go. Yeah. Um, if you're right. Right. He, if he is listening, he'll text me. He hasn't yet, but uh, usually when he hears a question like this, he'll text me and let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad. To finally hear Matt chime in on all my calls, <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> and, and he gave me he gave me the answer to kind of or one of the answer and probably five more questions for uh, kind of my my next step. But uh, oh my god, what a nightmare! I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had it in my head like, oh, I'm gonna open this individual 401k and roll over my two old 401ks into it. And I'll have everything in this nice big bucket. Right. And, uh, and in reality, and, and I'm not bashing Vanguard, but you know how it is. They're a huge company. I, in the process of this, I've generated three different Vanguard logins. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the problem. I don't think there really are any small mutual fund companies. They're all giants and they're all like this. And then, and, a lot of this isn't even their fault. They don't want to run their business like this. They, that's probably one of the most heavily regulated industries in the country. It's it, the government it, that makes a crazy. mess of all this stuff. It, what you just said, that you'd love to have all your money in one bucket, I've been trying to do that for years. It's impossible in retirement. So now you end up with money scattered all over the place. It's harder to keep your portfolio balanced. It's hard to keep everything in your head. I, it just, it makes me crazy. 
You know, here's the here's yeah. one of the things we don't talk about with the fair tax, and one of here's one of the reasons I don't. What what percentage of Americans really have a retirement account that they contribute to and pay attention to? It's it's not many. So why would I talk about it? Right. But here's a huge advantage to the fair tax. All this crap goes away. If you want a retirement account, it, put it in your backyard. That's fine. Put it in the bank. Buy gold. Invest in the market. Doesn't matter. You wouldn't have to deal with any of these rules of a retirement account because what, what point would there be to them anymore? There would be no point. We only do them because we want to get a tax break. And the government makes us jump through 37 hoops to get it. The fair tax comes along. You don't need a tax break anymore. You're not paying any income tax. Wouldn't that be I, nice to just have all that crap disappear and you just do whatever you want with your money for retirement? Yeah. yeah um, no limits I, I on how much back. you could invest. You could invest whatever you want. Who I, cares? There are no retirement accounts. There's no rules. There's no limits. All that stuff goes away. Right. Um, I, I want to come back to retirement, but before I forget, I, I think I saw something on Facebook. Did they, did the FMCSA announce a proposed rulemaking on speed limiters? Is there any there, news on that? There's it, a, it sounded like there was. There's some weird stuff going on in the FMCSA right now. They are proposing some new rules. I saw a couple things and I, I, you know, me in compliance, I, I'll look at the headline and that's about as far as I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy. Um, so, so I, I, I sat down, you know, I finally got that account open. So now I, I'm like, okay, I can start doing some rollovers. And I called and I talked to somebody helpful and, uh, the individual 401k department. And I told him what I'm trying to do. And he's like, Oh no, you don't, you don't want to put all, you don't want to roll that into your individual 401k. You want to open an IRA and a Roth IRA. <laughs> and cause it'll be less clunky to roll over. I don't care and about the said, rollover. I once it's done, it's done. You want me to deal with clunky for the rest of my life. Having multiple yeah, well, retirement accounts is clunky. Well, I listened to him, and there there was another thing. He said, it doesn't matter if I have a million dollars in that individual 401k. That won't count towards the $50,000 threshold to waive the... Uh, the fees on the funds. He said, I need to get, I need to get 50 grand into the, into the IRA account uh, aggregate. And then he's like, he told me to max them out and then, and then worry about my individual 401k. Uh, and, and then I can't even figure this out. My one account. I mean, it, it it's just crazy. I guess I got it figured out, but it doesn't make any sense. It, well, it the, doesn't. Uh, my one, ac <laughs> my one account is with a census, which Vanguard says they have nothing to do with the census, but my third Vanguard account, that's, I guess, actually going to be my personal investment account, um, 
I logged in and my old 401k with the census is in that account. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't, I don't even need to roll it over, I guess. Or I could do, I talked to some other lady in another department. She's like, oh yeah, no, you can do an internal rollover. And then, um, she transferred me to the people to the department for that. And they're like, oh no, you can't. No, we have to mail you a check. We don't have anything to do with the census. I'm like, but <laughs> I, I'm looking at the money in the, my in my Vanguard account. Uh, so, I, you know, I spent a lot of money and three years of my life to become a certified financial planner. One of the more difficult things I've done. It was not easy. The test is like 15 hours long and most years less than 45% of the people who take it pass it. It was a pretty brutal three years and I spent a lot of money to, to get it. And I actually worked as a financial planner for less than a year. And this is exactly why. The, and, and you know what made it even far more complicated for me? Because I, I, I only did that. I didn't want to just leave trucking and go become a financial planner. I wanted to financial plan for truck drivers. I was already doing their taxes and helping them out. So what I failed to realize at the time was all of my clients live in a lot of different states. Now I have to go license in every one of those states. I can't sell an investment to somebody unless I'm licensed in the state they live in. So I had fees in every state. I had this kind of government complication crap in every state. And on top of that, I now have to deal with trying to walk people through what you're trying to do yourself. I, 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 I that's probably why I don't have any hair. <laughs> and yeah, I almost went broke crazy, because I, I was paying more fees in most states than I was making back from, you know, my clients because they were investing a hundred bucks a month most of the time, which was fine. That's what I wanted them to do. Just get started. But I couldn't make any money doing it. Right. Yeah, well, we'll we'll get there. So I guess a uh, fair warning to, to everybody. Let, um, let me you should do it. Let me give somebody some advice. And and if you've heard people call about this, this is the advice I give them. Don't go to the mutual fund company's website and try to do this yourself. Call them and say, I have it. And most of the time this question comes up when somebody leaves a company, they had a 401k, they don't know what to do with it. And I'll say, call them first. Tell them, I have this account. You're even going to give them the account number. Let them do it. It's just so much easier that way. Yeah. Oh, I, there was one thing I did forget. You just reminded me. The guy that was the first guy I mentioned that told me to open up two more accounts. Um, he, he, he said, if I ever close down my company, which it kind of makes sense when you think about it, but you think, you know, whenever you leave a job that as an employee, you can just let that 401k forever if you want. I mean, that's what I've been doing. Well, let, let me jump in you there. Are you, the you can do it. Yeah. Don't ever do it. Ever. 
You don't want right, your money right. sitting in somebody else's hands that you have no connection to anymore. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so I've been slacking. That's where I'm, yeah. what I'm trying to get out of. But, right. but right. the guy told me with my individual 401k for, you know, someone self-employed, if I ever go out of business or, or whatever, I have seven months to roll my money somewhere else. It, it, I can't keep that account. Correct. You roll it into an IRA <laughs> or a Roth if you want. It, it, that's actually a fairly simple right. conversion, I think. I, well, I say fairly simple. Nothing really is in this business. But I, I don't think that's one of the more complicated. But it's a good thing to know. That that's how this works. Yeah, you you don't have a whole lot of time. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was kind of funny. It makes makes sense when you think about it, but it's like what? Well, well, <laughs> yes and no. So why couldn't uh, let let's just why couldn't I just leave that account there? Just don't let me contribute to it anymore. What I, would be I, wrong with that? Yeah. The problem is the government complicates everything. Every step of everything they complicate. I mean, they complicated this whole account from the very beginning, and now they want to complicate it one more time. Seven months. Where'd they come up with that? Why seven? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody uses seven for anything. We use six. It's a half a year. Uh, you know. We might use 12. It's seven. Where do they come up with these numbers? So, and why not just let me leave the account there? I just can't contribute to it anymore. It's a closed account, but the money sits there earning money. That would be simple. Right. <sighs> now you got yeah. me all wound up. <laughs> well, I guess I might as well go now that I got you all wound up. <laughs> Wait a minute. Weren't you going to say something about electric vehicle taxes? Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I didn't know that Pennsylvania is doing a kilowatt tax. But my question is, how are we differentiating between kilowatts for charging vehicles and kilowatts for everything else. I'm assuming maybe this is only levied at like a charging station. Yeah, I think that's probably how they would have, just like they do it at the pump for diesel, I would assume they're going to do it at the charging station, yeah. Right. But in trucking, but, but hold on, in trucking, we don't get to just pay our tax at the pump and go on with our life. We have to reconcile every quarter. So we're going to have to reconcile electric, too. If I buy electric in one state and drive into another, it's, it's just like fuel tax. Now I'm going to have to reconcile. Here, again, why do we have this complicated fuel tax system? Why don't we just have a damn mileage tax and be done with it? Right. Um, the other thing that I don't think people are really understanding with the whole electric thing um, for both cars and and commercial vehicles your your cost varies wildly depending on the duty cycle uh, because you're 
from what I understand, you're charging at at home or at your terminal way cheaper than you are out on the road. So you, you got to... Yeah, that's another good point. You got to consider the difference there. Yeah, another good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that's... <laughs> oh, it's... Uh, the future looks confusing. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all I got on that. All right. That's all we need. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Minnesota. David, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Kevin, can you hear me? I can. Hey, I think you know it's simple. Oh, what happened here? This engine, this engine has an open consumption problem. This is my first style sample. Okay. Uh, How much oil does it consume? Uh, 18,000 miles, five gallons. Five and 18, a little over 3,000 miles a gallon. Um, Do you have your in-frame scheduled yet? I do. Okay, good. Because it's <laughs> as time. a matter of fact. And then here's the thing: um, not only have you basically lost the cylinders; they're gone. I mean, the cylinders are polished; they're not going to get much worse than they are now. You are about to lose your bearings. Okay. Yeah, that's the so that, the lead is uh, that big red ninety two there on lead. Correct. Normal lead should be under five. Lead is the wow. lead is the outer coating of the bearing, and copper is the inner coating of the bearing. So you will start to see copper start to climb here pretty soon. At ninety-two, you're just about through the lead. Okay, I got you. Okay, this is my first auto sample. I just wanted to Wait. understand it better. Oh yeah, so. Um, had you called me, um, and I didn't know, you know, what you just told me about it, it's due for an in-frame, I would actually be really confused. Is there really only 425,000 miles on this engine? Correct. It's a common recon that we put in, in April of 19. Wait a minute. This is a factory recon? Correct. Are they doing that in-frame under warranty? No. Why not? No warranty on this. I have 250,000. Uh, no. Oh, man. Two and a half years, two years, two years, 250,000 miles warranty. I, I can't believe that the fact, have you owned this engine from the beginning? I've owned it since brand new. Every yeah, mile that's owned it, I put on it. I, I'm going to assume you've taken reasonable care of it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I wonder what the hell went wrong with this thing. Boy, this is. <laughs> well, it's already. Well, it's red. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you're. Yeah. You won't get an argument from me about that one. Um, I really, really wish we would have had a whole history of oil samples on this. Well, I was too damn lazy to do them. I've been listening <laughs> well, to you for years, and after the other consumption started, I was like, ah, I better do an all sample on this. This 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 engine basically ate itself, but I don't know why. I mean, it's a factory reman. If this would have been, yeah. 
you know, some random shop that did the in-frame or if this would have been a glider engine, you know, we had problems with those. They, a lot of people were rebuilding blocks that they shouldn't have. But the factory doesn't do that. I mean, the factory has really tight standards on, you know, how they, that, that's why you pay so much more for a factory reman. But I, somebody really screwed something up bad here. This engine just literally ate itself. Okay. What about these? Now, one of the things... Hmm. Oh, your base, don't even worry about. I mean, really. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, that, that, that'd be like kind of saying, um, I have cancer, but my eyelashes hurt. Should I be worried about it? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, um, I'm not really concerned about what happens with your base right now. This This engine's just toast. I mean... Hey, the one thing you, you when is the in frame scheduled for? Uh, November first, and it's okay. parked. Okay, uh, yeah, because I was going to say the concern now, you know, with bearings is is we could have a catastrophic failure if the bearings get too bad. So we, correct, we, yeah, correct. we we don't want to risk that. So good that it's that going forward everything's set. It I I'm sorry you had to deal with this. This is awful to have an engine do this. <laughs> Oh, so on lead, what would normal levels be? Uh, under five. You know, I mean, you might see three or four. Oh, wow. you might oh see, yes, you told me that. Yeah, you told me you, that. You yeah. might see six or seven here and there. We get a little bit of extra wear. We get some dirt in the oil. You know, you, but if we start seeing anything much over 10, we're going to really start paying attention to it. The other thing I've noticed, and if and we, I, one of the things that can destroy an engine like this, and this is why we are so big on oil samples. When, if you look at your oil sample, um, are you looking at it right now? Correct. Okay. So look to the right from lead, just four or five places, you'll see silicon and your number is 10. Yes. One of yes. the things that can wipe out an engine over time like this is silicon. And what that is, is it's dirt. It's sand, really. It's the, the hard part of dirt. Uh, we call it dirt, but it, it's really the, the rock hard yeah. particles that are in dirt is silicon. And that polishes the, uh, the, the liners. So that's when you start getting oil consumption, but it's also creating wear on the bearings. Our limit on silicon is also 10. If I ever see silicon go over 10, we, we have to figure out why. We're getting dirt in the engine, and dirt is really destructive. I wonder if there has been some sort of a silicon problem all this time. Uh, it could be from, you know, a, a some sort of a breach in the air intake system, a tear in the air cleaner, a, a gasket not sitting right. Um, and, and no big deal. You'd never know it. The engine will run fine. Your oil will look yeah. okay. But over time, you're just polishing all those parts in a bad way. You know, we're not polishing well, in a good way. We're wearing all the, the metals down off those parts. So you're right at 10 which uh, that's not bad. That's kind of our limit. But I wonder, um, this oil only had 18,000 miles on it. If we, it, how often were you changing? I was changing 25,000, every 25,000. Yeah, see, my guess is by the time this goes to 25,000, that silicon might be up around 15 or 16. 
and that's destructive. Yes, and those are so that that now OEM filters. When, yeah, when they do the in-frame, they're going to be taking apart almost the, well, the entire intake system basically is coming off. I would tell them to look for some sort of a problem so that they don't put it back together with the problem. I would show them the oil sample. I would say, look, there's a really good chance that it was dirt that caused this failure. Um, I have a little bit of high silicon and, and I don't even have a lot of miles on this oil sample. So I would have them really pay attention to that intake system when they put it back together. I'd hate to do this to another engine. Well, I'll be sampling. I promise you. Good, good. <laughs> there you go. Hey, um, we were talking a lot about Dave Ramsey today. You know what he calls this? Stupid tech. He does. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> you knew it. Yeah, that's what this is. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's right. We've all done it. So, so, so it was a good idea to park this truck? Absolutely. I would not drive And not truck. run it for another two weeks? I, I wouldn't run it. Okay. I, okay, I just perfect. wouldn't. Nope. I wouldn't take the chance. Okay, perfect. Hey, one more question on your garden. Sure. I never hear I never hear you talk about squash. Just wonder what your I opinion is on squash. I don't like squash. That's my only opinion. There's nothing wrong <laughs> well, with it. Well, I've never met a Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, now what I've I, never met a squash I didn't like. So. Oh, then you should grow all kinds of it. Yeah, if you like squash, grow okay, it. It's, okay. a, it's it's one of the things that's fairly easy to grow. They do take a lot of space, but um, they, they grow pretty easy. You get yeah. a big yield from them. I do grow um, like a bunch of different pumpkins and um, like what they call decorative squash. You know, all those things you see in the fall with all the warts and they're all different colors. And I grow those just because I like them. You don't even eat them. They're just decorative. Um, I Last year... This year, I didn't get any. Um, I tried an experiment, and it didn't work. The year before, I tried an experiment, and I grew all my squash plants in hay bales. And I had the plants were the healthiest squash plants I've ever seen. I ended up with like 400 and some decorative uh, squash. I was giving them away to everybody. We gave them to the elementary school. and um, <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. But growing them in hay bales was incredible. We actually grow the plant right in a hay yeah, bale. Yeah, they get... Yes, they get pretty colorful. Yeah, they're beautiful. I love that look in the fall. Yes. <laughs> all right, yeah. Kevin, that's all I had. There you go. That's all I need. Um, we, we've all done it. Thank we, you. We, we pay that stupid tax, but <laughs> I'll tell you what, that is a lesson you won't forget. I will not, and I'll be sampling. There you I go. I promise you. Well, call me. In my we'll, next meeting. That's right. Call me, and we'll talk about those samples, too. Let's uh, let's find out what's on Voitech's mind today. Welcome. Oh, good morning. Um, so I'd like to uh, pick your brain a little bit as far as uh, buying real estate uh, under your own name versus uh, through a corporation. Uh, what is the difference, and do you have any ideas if there is any? You know, I, I I'm only going to be able to answer this question really generally. There may be some specific things in here that I'm not aware of. So I, I wouldn't, 
put a whole lot of faith in my advice on this one. Um, I'm going to speak really generally that it would certainly affect taxes. You know, we're going to have a corporate tax structure here, so it needs to be an S-corp, not a C-corp. You would want it to be an S-corp because we could create some tax advantages there. Um, You know, the biggest thing that people tend to use corporations for is liability protection. Um, And real estate carries different liability than a lot of other things. So, you know what? I'm just going to stop right here. Honestly, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I, I really okay. don't. I just got thinking uh, about this, and it's it kind of shocks me how little I know about this. I I just there, I'm just too worried there could be things I don't know here that would really matter. So I I just rather not say. Okay. So you know, I, I might I, I might I, be I've got a lot of homework I, to do. I, yeah, I might be saying that you know the S corp would create this advantage. Maybe in real estate it wouldn't though. Real estate is kind of its own animal. And my real estate investing right. is pretty darn simple. I mean, I, I'm basically buying properties to hold long term and, and use them as rentals, mostly vacation rentals. I don't want, uh, sure. yeah, I don't want, you know, residents. I don't want to deal with, you know, full time rental properties. But I, I'm in an area where right. um, this is an absolute vacation destination, and we are really, really short uh, in the summer on places to stay. So that's that's why I'm using the investing strategy I am. And I'm not doing it in S-Corp. I'm doing it as an individual. So honestly, I, I just realized how little I know about that topic, so I better not say anything. Okay, well, I was just uh, digesting Kiyosaki's book and trying to come up with uh, creative uh, semi surface legal schemes to pay as little taxes as possible. <laughs> yeah, then you're uh, certainly so not going to you're certainly not going to get those from me in real estate then cuz I don't know what they are. No, of course not. Of course not. And I was just speaking hypothetically. Right. Uh, right. Anyway, so and yes, uh, but hypothetically speaking, uh, would there be any issues that would it be feasible to do to set up a uh, buy some property in the state like, oh, I don't know, like Wyoming that doesn't have an inheritance tax, I believe, because that's why all these billionaires are spending $20 million to build a house they visit once a year in Jackson Hole uh, so they can get around the inheritance tax and, and some other taxes for their kids when they, you know, hand them their billions over. Uh, set up, uh, buy some property there, be a resident of uh, such a state, avoid some potential. Yeah, they're, they're near future. There are lots of but strategies live somewhere else and have a corporation there. Yeah. So this is an area where I do have some opinions and they are basically opinions. Is that, is that, is that, is that a yes? Uh, yeah, sort of. No, that's that's an absolute yes. I have no problem finding a state with really good tax laws like Wyoming, South Dakota. And we're not just talking about income tax laws. They have they have, you know, usually reasonable rates on registering vehicles and, you know, all kinds of other kind of financial advantages. I have no problem at all finding a state like that, claiming that as my residence. There's no reason. Now. 
here's where a corporation can get complicated when you try to do this. You, you do have to be a little bit careful now with the corporation. If you claim Wyoming as your residence and you want to do a Nevada corporation because Nevada has such great corporate laws, you can do it. The problem is you're also required to register with Wyoming as a foreign corporation. So you do have to deal with both Nevada and Wyoming. Now, Wyoming may have really good laws for foreign corporations where it may be worth it. But I've seen people spend all kinds of money to set up a Nevada corporation and they live in New York State and they get hammered twice instead. Oh, good point. Hmm. Well, because I, I mean, I, I keep hearing that these rich people uh, don't own anything in their name. Everything's protected through trust and corporate structures that are as complicated as the tax code. Um, and there's got to be something to it because they're obviously doing it, and it can't so, be that much more difficult for anybody that owns some real estate as for rentals to have to live in one of them rentals and pay themselves rent through the corporation and not. I mean, I'm just trying to come up with, with uh, hypotheticals, of course. Yeah, so for all those. Uh, let me real estate. I mean, uh, IRS agents listening. Yeah, let me let me give you my experience with this. Um, you and I think a lot alike. I've had all these same thoughts, you know, from way back when when I first got into business and started paying taxes. You know, when you're self-employed, you know how much tax you pay. I've said forever, if I could. Yeah, make- I just uh, got got my bill, and uh, um. It's a thing. I mean, that's oh, why I, I oh. think elections uh, should be moved to April 16th. I'd like that. Well, yeah. That, then everybody would vote differently. Well, here's another way. I, if, if it, The fair tax, but that's not going to happen. So if they would let me make one change to the tax law system, just one, we, we, would, we would start to get much better tax laws in this country. And that is that empl- take employers out of the mix. Employers no longer withhold taxes well, that's from why your they- check. Every individual has to write a check. Yeah, exactly. You're right. That's exactly why they did it. People don't see it. They don't care about it. How are we going to? Yeah. I want everybody to bamboozle the the idiot public. Yeah. Right. I want everybody to have to write a check for all of the tax they have to pay every year, all of their social security, all of their Medicare and all of their income tax. If you owe it, write a check and pay it. Better yet, let's make everybody pay it in cash. Then it would really hurt. You know what pisses right? me off the most? You know, you know, yeah, you know what pisses me off the most about just the tax industry in general? I pay, I pay a, a tax preparation prep company to do my taxes. And they don't work for me. They work... I, Although I pay them, they still work for the government. You know what? Because it's yeah. worth it more. It's worth it more to them to protect their ass, correct? More than it is to give me sound tax advice. And I was off by literally a thousand dollars from going from one tax bracket to another. You, you know what's and worse? That was a difference of ten percent. Yeah. 
Yeah, but here's here's what I think is the worst part about this whole system. When the reason most people pay somebody to do their tax return is because they don't know how to do it themselves. I, I'm even in that boat right, now. Right, and I do. I, I just... I, I've been doing tax returns for businesses for a couple decades. I, I don't do my own anymore. They're too complicated for me now. I, and I don't want to have to try to learn that every year just to do my own return. I don't do taxes anymore. So I pay somebody to do mine. Here's the crazy part. I'm paying them because I don't know how to do it. But the minute I sign it, I am claiming that I know that it's true and correct. How can I know that? Right. If I knew that, well, I wouldn't have to pay uh, them to I, do it. Right, but I think in what in the deal I have, I pay a little bit extra, and there's like uh, audit insurance, and they yeah, come, they do right. everything for me within that case. So there's a little bit of cushion there. Yeah, but but hold on, let's go back. The government created a system that now cost us more money than it should. That that audit insurance. Well, of course. I mean, those that, bureaucrats. That audit yeah, insurance. Bureaucrats are not going to, you know, pay for themselves. Even though it only costs you a little bit of money. Here's the thing: they collect that. These firms collect that money over and over and over and over and over, and the audit rate is about one percent. Yeah. They make a killing on that audit insurance. It's still a good deal for you. I would pay it. Pay a couple bucks, get some audit insurance. Cause it's cheap if I, insurance yeah. Exactly. It's really cheap insurance. But I shouldn't have to pay for that. Right. Speaking of insurance, um, my insurance rate, and I don't know, I hope this is a good rate. I have a million general liability, a million for the other one, and, and 200 cargo. And my rate for the year is, I paid in cash just to save some money, was 9000 That sounds outstanding right? to me. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's a really good rate. Oh, okay. What state is cool. what state do you uh, get your insurance through? The People's Republic of California. Wow, well, that's surprise. That's a really good rate, then. Yeah. Yeah, I've been with the same guy that's just in you know, in the same town as me, and oh, good. for like yeah, ten, twelve years. So good. Yeah, so he off. gives me good yeah. rights that he wants to keep. Yeah, so um, is there going to be um, fuel mileage tomorrow? Uh, let me go check. Um, fuel mileage Friday. Joel is confirmed. John is just missing in action these days. We haven't heard from John again yet, so we'll have to wait and see. But Joel's confirmed for tomorrow. Okay. You need to put some pressure on the Pittsburgh Power crew to uh, get into the Volvo. Uh, engine because you know i know i, I know. guess they're they don't really like it i don't know why a lot of owner operators are in the volvos they really are and there's a good reason to be so yeah i i do think uh, it would be a good business bruce and i have had that conversation a couple times yeah i don't know for some reason my uh my volvo is not allowing me to do a park regen it's got a temporary lockout thing on and i i don't know why and it hasn't done an active region in a while, too. And Yeah, I so, would. I don't know. You know, most of the shops we tend to deal with that I recommend around the country kind of shy. A lot of independent shops do shy away from Volvo, though. It, it's, a, it's a different system. It's their, you know, their software is more proprietary. 
they there are some you know Bruce used to say you needed like twenty five thousand dollars worth of tools on a pallet to work on a Volvo. Um, I think that's a little extreme. It's not quite that bad, but it is. It, it's kind of like taking on you know something new. But I really wish these shops that I work with, you know, Redneck Diesel and some of these others would uh, would at least start down that path. Yeah. Well, maybe if this keeps giving me more issues, I'll just uh, trade it you in know, for an electric and have, have, free, uh, have free fuel. Yeah. You know, the other idea, so. if Joel's listening, I don't think he is because he didn't send me a message. Um the other idea is I should get with Joel. I know he has a couple of preferred shops around the country. Maybe we could do a show with uh, with a good Volvo dealer. Yes. Well, not necessarily Volvo dealer, but yeah, a independent. Volvo or, dealers yeah, are a scam. Right. Yeah. A, a yeah, good, Volvo a, dealers are a bunch of... Yeah. A, a good shop, a good Volvo shop, or a good technician, or a good service manager, or somebody he knows. Maybe we could do a Volvo show. Yeah, but I'd be much appreciated. All right, that's all I've got. Well, look at that. That's all I need. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Wisconsin. Brandy, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for taking my call. Um, so I sent you a book, um, and Tucker had the, it was on the banned um, authors list uh, for Amazon. Wait, 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 stop. Your attention. Stop, stop. What do you mean banned authors list? What country are we in? Is this Russia? Well, I I understand how that sounds. I just want to let you know that you have a valuable banned book in your library. Whether yeah. you've read it or not. I, just, I haven't uh, read it yet. Bring it to your um, attention. Yeah, I have. And I, I, I acted surprised about that. I'm fully aware that Amazon is banning authors. Amazon banning authors. The largest bookstore in the world banning authors it, i think we're in russia yeah china maybe unbelievable that this is happening and it, it's yeah, hardly being talked a whole about story on why yeah it's hardly yeah. being talked about you know there was a there was i don't know five or six months back i say you know i i scroll social media a lot i don't interact much on it anymore but i there was this phase where I was seeing liberals and the Democrats all screaming about, you know, book banning. I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? But what they were talking about was elementary schools saying, you know, you can't have this book in an elementary school library. Hell, I agree with that. That's not censorship. That's common sense. We don't have cigarette vending machines in elementary schools either. We don't let kids drink alcohol. There's a lot of things we don't let children do. That's just smart. So saying we don't want some book in an elementary school, to me, that's not banning books. You, if you as a parent want to go get that book for your kid, go get it. It's available. I don't want it in the library at the school. So the liberals will all up in arms about what they called censorship and book banning, and yet they're really quiet when it's really happening in the real world and adults can't get access to a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now you really got to have up. to take it all in, and <laughs> I, I hear that. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. 
But oh. I just want you to know you have something valuable. I know. That yeah. Was I, I managed to get it before they possession. banned it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, so uh, that's uh, all I wanted to tell you. You so. know, here, here's the thing. I am. Um, I, I hate that I keep doing this. I well, I don't really, but it's just it sucks that I have to. And what I mean is, I am upending my life and my business over and over and over because I don't agree with companies in what they're doing. I didn't agree what Facebook was doing. We yanked everything off of there. We created our own sites. That was a big expense for us. Huge. Lots of work. It was a disruption. It, I had to put six other projects on the back burner for a year so we could get that all done. It, but I will not be censored and banned online. I'm just not going to do it. I would have preferred to just stay on Facebook. Everybody's on Facebook. It was easy. But I'm not going to do it. Now, all of a sudden, I have, I have, well, I don't have them anymore, but I am on my seventh Kindle. And I know it because every time you get a new one, they always name it that it, it automatically gets named that way when you register it. It just says, you know, Kevin's first Kindle, second Kindle. I, I know that I'm on my seventh and I was getting ready to buy another one because my battery's just not holding up all that well. I read a lot on my Kindle. But I am seriously considering finding some other electronic reader. I don't even know what's out there anymore because I've been so happy with my Kindle for so long. I don't want to buy shit from Amazon anymore. And that's a huge inconvenience for me. Is that still available? Uh, I don't know. That's what I, 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 I have no idea what's available because I haven't looked in years and this stuff changes okay. you know, pretty quickly. But I, I'm, that, it's right. on my list today. Because I, I need a, a, a reader because I'm tired of charging my battery twice a day. Um, but I'm going to go do some research, right. and, and it, it's one more step to get me away from Amazon. Um, another thing, uh, you know, I don't mind sending you books. I just want to see if you might be interested in it. His name is Roger Kip, uh, Kipling. And basically, he writes poetry. It's not your romantic kind of poetry. It's basically poetry I, that has history in it. I, I, and I, I, when you I, read I, it, I, you I, are hold, like... Let, hold on. Let me stop you there. I really appreciate it, but don't send that one. I won't read it. I, my, okay. My, my, okay. Book, well, my book list is so long right now with books that I'm really interested in getting to. I, I could tell you if you called me, t right. if you send me that book, you call me two years from now, I'm going to say, yeah, you know, I just haven't got to it yet. Well, that's okay. It's just, it's different kind of reading. I'm not on your Kindle, but in your page to page kind of thing, a little bit at a time and you get a little bit of history from the past and it just, it, it transports you. That's what books do. I, I feel anyway, oh, especially oh, books don't, like that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I do a lot of reading for pure enjoyment. I just said yesterday, I am working my way through 28 Jack Reacher books. I bought them all at one time, but again, on my Kindle, because it's so easy. It, I looked up Jack Reacher. Look, right. here's his 28 books. Oh, you want to buy them all at once? Sure. I'll take them. Um, and I did. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm reading, I'm probably, I'm, I bet I'm averaging about two or two and a half hours a day right now of just pure enjoyment reading. Yeah. But that's what I mean. I if, if, I, if, I, I, if I sit right. down and open my Kindle and say, 
do I want to read the next Jack Reacher book or historic poetry? I can tell you which one's going to win every time. Right. Yeah. So I appreciate it, but not that one. Okay. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I won't do that then. Okay, good. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to Missouri. Dale, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, you got to talk about growing plant, uh, that squash out of straw bales. Yeah. So, uh, wife and I, uh, i told you in the past couple conversations, I know you don't memorize every damn guy that calls, but, um, uh, sold her house in town, build a brand new house out in the country. Yeah. And, uh, so we got, we just got a little six and a half acre spot. So, uh, a lot of clay and rock where I live in Missouri. So I'm going to take a ripper teeth and box blade, rip up the garden spot. It's going to probably be about a half acre garden. Okay. And then awesome. drag all that out and, uh, replace soil. And I told her it'll take us about three years to get some really good soil going. Yep. And, uh, anyhow, Actually, Get the microbes and all that started. Yeah, but, uh, actually, let, let me tell you, throw, throw you know, some good compost and straw on the soil and then plant a, a, a multi-seed cover crop this winter, if you get it done or whenever. Uh-huh. That one thing alone transforms the soil pretty quickly. I, I've never seen anything change soil so fast really? as that one winter with the cover crop and then, you know, heavy compost in the spring. Just, like, what do you put, clover and what else? Uh, let me go look, actually. I have a seven blend. Well, I won't go look to, specifically. It's got uh, several legumes. Um, legumes put nitrogen back into the soil, so that's their purpose. It does use... Okay, like, like soybeans do. They do the same thing. Yeah, any legume. Any le- it, there are even legumes yeah. that don't produce any kind of a bean or a pea. That they just produce a plant and some vines, and that's what these are. They didn't produce anything. Well, they're just some kind of legume that. Well, grows. if you ever wonder when you. Go ahead. If you've ever wondered why he was driving to Wolcott one time, and you look at why is there last year there was soybeans there, this year there's corn there. Right. Because the soybeans put nitrogen off their roots back in the soil, exactly. and the corn eats it. Yep. So that's, it's got a yeah, couple. Yeah, so you got to rotate your crops. Yeah, the seven seed blend has like a couple legumes. It has a couple grasses. It does have some clover. Um, it's actually a blend that was designed for the Pacific Northwest. I get it from a, a seed company called Johnny's, Johnny's Seed. Uh-huh. They, they, do a, uh-huh. uh, they do a fall mix and they do a spring mix. Just cover crop. That's all it's for. And, and I can buy it in, you know, 50-pound yeah, bags. Yeah, that seed company you work with, they had to do a major pivot in their operation to stay in business. Did they really? Yeah, he used to exclusively sell apples, apple seeds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that, that was a good one. You had me. Uh, okay. No, it's a, it's a good okay. company. I get a lot of um, my st- gardening stuff from them. But they this blend, I, I was just blown away. You know the other thing I need to go look up? I don't. I don't think I've ever come across this anywhere, but I grew uh, sweet potatoes this year. And where I'm at, even, I don't know, were you listening to the show when we had David Stelzer on from Azure? I don't know that I got that one. Okay. And we talked a lot about gardening and soil because that's his whole background. 
I mean, that's how Azure Standard got started just on their farm. He grew up on that farm. They started Azure Standard. Oh, the regenerative farming guy? Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, 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 yeah. I listened to that. Yeah, so he he lit his farm is not that far away from me. About thirty minutes, maybe forty. Um, so he's in the Columbia River Gorge. But interesting, we're only forty minutes apart. We have wildly different weather. His his end of the gorge, right. the, the east end of the gorge, he's out there where it starts to get really dry and arid and there's almost no trees. I'm in what they call the heart of the gorge, and we are just covered in trees. I mean, all evergreens, and we get a lot more rain than he does. Not nearly as much sunshine and heat, though. So when I so mentioned to him about— He's more towards the high valley, the high desert part? Um, well, he's not— Of Oregon? No, nah, he's not far enough away from me to be that—you got to get even farther east to get into that. He's still in the gorge. He's at sea But he's level. the transition. It's the transition, right. He just doesn't get— okay the rain right. and it's just totally arid there's a totally different look over there and and really different weather wow so we were talking about sweet potatoes and i said i've tried to grow sweet potatoes before and i i treated them just like every other plant you know when i get around to it i throw the plants in the ground or the seeds and they grow and i wait all season and then i would dig them up and there would be no sweet potatoes none i mean it's just a plant with roots and i'd be like what the hell happened well, it turns out sweet potatoes are subtropical. They need like 120 days of heat and sunshine. And we get 90. Really? Yeah, we get 90 really nice days of heat and sunshine, but not hot enough most of the time. And I wasn't planning them early enough because I didn't realize it was that sensitive. And he told me, he said, well, where we are, he said, we grow them in hoop houses. And it extends our season, and he says it works really well. And I said, oh, you know, I have a whole crop. I'm getting ready to dig up and see if I have anything, and I guess next year I'll use hoop houses. I don't know what I did right. I got the most incredible sweet potato crop I have ever seen. I have got monsters in there. Um, They're like the size of a soccer ball. (laughs) Some of them are so damn big. Uh, And I got a bunch of them. I got a lot. Yeah, but the which was awesome. The other thing, though, as I was digging up the sweet potatoes, totally transformed the soil. My soil where those sweet potatoes were, it almost feels silky soft now. I've never heard that sweet potatoes improve the soil, but something changed in that soil. Right. But the... the, uh Squash in the straw, did you literally stick one one plant per bale or long ways did you put one I did, a third of the way down either can you grow two? I did two per bale. Yeah. You get and and some oh, plant you kinda spread them apart. Yeah, and it wasn't just squash that I did that way. I did I tried tomatoes, I tried peppers, cucumbers did really good. So it seems like those big leaf vine kind of plants, squash, pumpkin, cucumber. They really loved those conditions. I mean, I had just cucumbers everywhere last year. I must have, I, I did like 10 gallons of um, fermented dill pickles last year. I had so many. Um, but I also tried okay, to Okay, a buddy of mine tomatoes, did a deal with potatoes. Tomatoes did well. Peppers did well. Almost everything I planted in the hay bales did really well. 
Well, and you're you're using hay or straw because straw is like got virtually no nutritional value to it. I tried both, and I didn't see a big difference. Really, they they both worked pretty well. Because what I'm wondering with what you're using, liquid feed wise, your maybe fish emulsion and your uh, chicken soup for the soil, that type of stuff. I imagine you're watering them in these bales with right. that. Right. Because there's no real food in the straw. Exactly. So then after you run all that through there, do you till that into your soil as, as a compost? Yeah, that's the other beauty. Those hay bales. Yeah, those hay bales by the end of the season are almost fully composted. So, yeah, all I do is just like well, I, as I'm pulling the plants out of them, I just kind of like, you know, kind of just destroy them and spread them across the soil. Yeah. Okay, I got an idea for your for your uh, your your bakers. I don't know if sweet potatoes will work this way, but a buddy of mine's been doing this. His grandfather, he learned it from him. He uh, he takes what they call it. You know what a cattle panel is? You grew up yeah. in a farming community. Yeah, it's just a fence, a yep. piece of fencing. Yeah, take one one cattle panel and make a ring out of it. Okay. put clips in it, and he goes ahead and he puts uh, he starts his uh, his potato eyes. And then he gets, uh, he has, you know, he's got a farm. He's got quite a bit of straw. Anyways, he runs a micro-irrigation line up through the middle of it, just ties it off either way, like like three spokes per every couple feet until he okay. gets to the top, and he runs a water line up there with a sprinkler head that just goes out as a cone. It just out and down. Yeah. Okay, so he, anyways, he puts, uh, he puts about eight inches of straw in there, and then he uh, puts just a, little pockets of dirt and like three pockets or four pockets of dirt around in there. And he sticks one potato eye in there and then he packs that with dirt and he just fills that back up with straw and he gets up by another eight inches. And he does that again all the way up to the top. And then he's got that micro irrigation thing on a timer and it waters it. What a and all the potatoes idea. grow in this thing. And he, and he grow and get this further thinking, he grows the damn thing in the middle of his garden. Right. And when he gets done, he, cuts the clips the thing he kicks it over and it falls apart he spreads <laughs> it out you ain't digging you there's got all your, your potatoes your potatoes you <laughs> didn't hurt none and then your compost is spread over your garden what a great idea now, i ain't that, that slicker that, that, that is slick <laughs> yeah, yeah so what a great yeah, idea so I, yeah no yeah so I thought I'd pass that along. I thought you'd get a kick out of that. I that that is going down in my. I'm getting ready to do my spring garden planning. I'm going to expand a couple things. I'm going to put up some new trellising, and I, that that is absolutely going into the idea book. I love that one. Yeah. Okay. No. Well. I'll, but uh, I did want to ask you how many squash. I mean, really, a squash per bale. I got the the zucchini and squash that we grew this year. They were uh, they weren't a vine type. They were more like a bush type, a shrub. Oh yeah, okay. They don't take up as much room. Right. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if I know you don't like them, but if if you were ever willing to try this, if you take a green zucchini, a yellow squash, and a sweet onion, skillet, a little bit of uh, avocado or uh, extra virgin olive oil and some butter, and if you ever would use Cavender's Greek seasoning. Just a li- little bit of that, not very much. Just a extremely light dusted amount of that. You cut them, cut the ends off, boat them, scrape the seeds out to their half moons, and make them in a skillet. All that sugar in there, and it is a lot of sugar. This is almost like a dessert. 
Yeah, you know, I, I for a side dish, I, I almost forgot kind of about the zucchini style squash. When when he asked me a question, I thought he was talking about uh-huh. more of the hard, the butternut, the spaghetti, those kind of squash. Oh yeah, those yeah yeah. The the thing but with you with zucchini about a wonderful and, side dish. Oh yeah, that sounds amazing. The thing about that though is. If I planted one zucchini plant, it'd be more zucchini than I can eat. Those things produce like crazy, um, and I just don't eat that much of it. I do like, you know, zucchini, stir-fried, and some stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't take much. You can grow a lot of those pretty quickly. Well, and and here's another thing to do with your zucchini. You got a mandolin? Yeah, yeah. To, to slice things? Yeah. Yep. So cut your ends off. Don't worry about boating it. Wash them off, stick, set your mandolin at about a maybe an eighth of an inch, okay. and just run them long ways down there and make uh, slabs out of them. Oh yeah, I think the the hipsters call these now zoodles. Right. Well, anyways, you you can reduce your yeah. tomato sauce. You can reduce your sauce, and then you can put Italian herbs on these and put them in a skillet. Reduce this. You can have your chicken seasoned up and have it thrown in the smoker to cook it outside and anyways cook all the moisture out of these noodles and you can use them and build a lasagna and man it is fantastic i do like that i've done it you know what i like better though and i'm really really excited because of what i just grew i do that with sweet potatoes really yeah you talk about the best lasagna forget noodles i would never make lasagna with traditional noodles again you make lasagna with sweet potato noodles, same thing. Uh, I set my uh, mandolin a little bit thicker, um, and, and then I take the uh-huh. biggest sweet potatoes I can find, and I run them long ways so you get nice big slices, and then just build your lasagna like that. It's incredible. Huh. I'll have to try that because my wife is a huge sweet potato fan. Oh, yeah. That, uh, you... You will, you'll get the, the gold star um, if, if you get her some of this lasagna. It just do it exactly like a traditional lasagna. I don't change anything else. Whatever lasagna recipe you like, all you do is, is put sweet potato planks in there. It's amazing. Yeah, so would you need to uh, reduce, do you need to cook any moisture out of the sweet potatoes or are they dry enough? Because the, the zucchini, you have to. Yeah, sweet potato has very, very little moisture in it. So they go into the pan completely Oh, wow, that would save a step. I don't do anything to them. I I slice them, put them in there. I don't pre-cook them at all. Okay, I got another tip for you. I I love to experiment with things. Um, And and doing the sauce, you know how you reduce your tomato sauce down so it's thicker so you you don't have a soup later? Yeah. For, for lack of lasagna, um, I got thinking about you know flax seeds really good at soaking things up. Hmm. So I what I did is in uh, ninety ounces of sauce, I threw a, a tablespoon measured and scraped tablespoon of flax seed in there, and it does give it kind of a pulpier uh, texture. Okay. But then um, my particular taste in sauce, I like a good basil presence. Yeah, me and too. I did have to add about another half a tablespoon of basil to get my basil flavor back, but that saved me about forty-five minutes on the stovetop in in reduction so, time. So where that tip is going to help me, we just canned about yeah. seventy-five quarts of tomato products, and towards the end, 
we were getting a little weary and we probably rushed our last batch and we opened it up last night and it's way thinner than I like it. I, I think we, we just rushed it. I, I was tired. I wasn't paying attention. Um, I'll bet I could fix that sauce up on the stove like that. Because what I'm doing now is I just yeah. try to remember, you know, two hours ahead and I throw it on the stove and let it simmer itself. But that uh, that might be a nice trick. Well, yeah, and it, it, I'm on a propane. I don't care if you're electric or propane, what you're, whatever you're burning. Man, I would trade you for 45 minutes of my own time in propane. I would gladly trade you one tablespoon of flaxseed. <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> Good trade. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but anyways. I, I'm going to try that. Oh, man. All right. Hey, thanks for the call. I just looked at the clock. I got to run. Um, the, the the Beckets are standing by uh, to do rolling toe, and they're supposed to be starting right now. Um, give us about 10 minutes or just monitor the feed, and they will be back on live shortly. Uh, line up the calls as well. Remember, this is a talk show, and uh, they need people to talk to, so call them. Uh, anything tire-related, alignments, wheel bearings, handling, call them with all your vibration calls. They love vibration calls. They'll, they'll tell you that they don't. Trust me. They love vibration calls. We're, uh, we will be, they will be right back. I will see you back here tomorrow. I know Joel is confirmed. We haven't heard from John yet. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.